Hey everybody, I'm Arch Houston, host of the Human Better Podcast. This podcast is about us. Us as human beings, not employees, not athletes, not any XYZ identity. It's about the common humanity that connects us and the emotional leadership that sets us free. I've spent a good part of my career mired in stress and anxiety and through it earned my MEHD and how to adapt and move forward. I coach, teach, and guide humans how to navigate the obstacles that hold us back so we can begin to human better. This episode of the Human Better Podcast is all about sleep and awakening to sleep and how to do it better. My guest is Lee Boogie, a sleep researcher for Nested Naturals and a fellow stress mastery educator. Her insights into how we can begin to sleep better are intriguing, unexpected, and most important, actionable. I truly hope this episode puts you to sleep. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Human Better podcast today. We are talking with Lee Boogie about sleep. And obviously, this is important for all humans, and the quality of our sleep absolutely helps us to human better. And Lee is going to share with us, I think, something that the bulk of us maybe have never even considered when it comes to sleep preparation, sleep hygiene, if you will, and sleep routines. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Arch. Give give everybody a little bit of uh, a little bit of about Lee. I love to learn and research things, and and you and I met in a stress mastery course, and that ties in so much. Really, that sleep and that stress are so tied together, intertwined back and forth. And so I've been diving deeper and deeper into sleep research. Uh, my background is mostly in research, in labs, in medical studies, in nutrition. I'm a holistic nutritionist, and so that ties in there too and sleep just seems to be something that keeps popping up and I and I delve into more and more. Gotcha. How do you sleep? Uh, most of the time well uh, but uh, it, it's interesting you hear a lot of stats about sleep about you know what percent of people have had insomnia and you know you hear statistics like up to 50% of people are really having significant problems with sleep at some point uh, but in reality I actually think I don't know if I've met a person who hasn't at some point had a stretch where they're not sleeping well. What has your research said is the impact that your perception of your sleep can have on the, maybe the, the, the waking hours that follow, say, a, a night of not so great sleep? Um, I love that question. And, and I think it's a really, really important one. Um, one of the things I was reading recently was talking about the fact that in working with people with sleep problems, they actually don't recommend people use those like sleep trackers and things. Because it's amazing how often somebody will get up in the morning and think, oh, you know, not the best sleep. You know, most of us don't have the easiest time getting up in the morning. But then when they look at their sleep tracker and go, oh my God, I barely got any sleep. And then they feel worse. Mm. That the more you look at your clock when you wake up during the night, the more we track and worry about all that stuff, the worse our sleep gets. 
And uh, tied into that, uh, one of the other things that I, I think is fascinating and most people don't realize is that the most effective thing in they, when they look at research in helping sleep isn't actually sleep medication, it's cognitive behavior for insomnia. It's actually getting counseling. And so I think that's so telling that the best way to, to deal with your sleep issues is actually to work through your attitudes around it, how you react to not sleeping, the, the behaviors that are actually perpetuating your sleep problems. Because you can have things that predispose you to insomnia, you can have things that initiate the problem, like you hurt yourself and you're in pain, so then you're not sleeping well because of the pain. But then you have things that perpetuate the problem. So a perfect example of that is alcohol. Lots of people find when they're having a hard time sleeping, they have a drink at night, it helps relax them and they fall asleep better. And that becomes part of their routine. But it turns out when we drink, we actually don't sleep well. Our sleep quality is way, way worse. So then we're perpetuating that problem with something that we think is helping. So, so many behaviors and attitudes around our sleep and how we're feeling about whether or not we're sleeping, how worried we are about not sleeping, turns into a stressor that causes us to not sleep. So I love that you use the word feeling because how we think about it makes us feel a certain way. And so if we think that when we wake up at 4 a.m. and go, oh, crap, I got to be up in two hours versus, oh, sweet, I've got two more hours of sleep, that yeah. can have a profound impact on what the rest of our body does in terms of either going back into sleep or waking itself up saying, okay, here we go. Let's start the day. Oh, huge. Uh, you know, that, that ties into something that was just in some ways, I don't say life changing, but sleep changing for me that I heard along the way was that we go through sleep cycles. Most of us know that, you know, you go through different stages of sleep and those cycles take 80 to 120 minutes to go through the, all of the stages. And we go through multiple, go through that a few times during the night. And it turns out that we actually essentially wake up between every one of those cycles. And most of us are not aware of that at all. And so we think we've slept through the night, but we have those little wake ups. But some people are actually very aware of those wake ups. And that's often when you're, for example, going to become more aware and get up and go for a pee. That doesn't actually mean you had a bad night's sleep. So what often will happen is someone will wake up and then in the morning they'll go, oh my God, I got up and peed twice and my sleep was so disrupted and I had an awful night's sleep. And yes, then they have this, this feeling like I'm overtired, I didn't sleep well, and their day is likely to be more rough. But I have found lots of people, myself included, when you find out, hey, that little wake up, that's normal. That actually wasn't a disruption in your sleep at all. Then you wake up and go, oh, hey, I'm between sleep cycles, timeless, snuggle back down and get another cycle of sleep. It's so different. Wow. Then so, if you wake up and get panicky and then you're way less likely to fall back asleep again. So sleep mindset is as important as anything else. Oh yeah, absolutely, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the sleep cycle, what do, you, what do you think, or what do you know, being the researcher that you are, what do you know that is the, kind of the adaptive nature of that of that 80 to 100 minute sleep cycle that we just innately have what's the purpose behind that evolutionary purpose behind that i mean that that's a whole huge topic i could and i, and I won't pretend to be an, an expert on all of the different stages or anything like that but one of the things that they have shown is that 
Um, I mean, adaptively, you probably do want that ability to, to wake up and be aware of what's going on if you need to be. Um, different people you can look at seem to have shorter or longer cycles and are more night owls or morning people so that within a tribe, you probably had people who stayed up and kept guard and you had other people who got up early and took over then. And so that would be one of the reasons why by evolution, different people would have those different kinds of sleep patterns, not necessarily all supposed to be the same. Uh, but also if we don't get great sleep, they have shown then the next night, you will go into longer stretches of deeper sleep so that your body can adapt your cycles based on what you really, what your body really needs. Gotcha. Can you bank sleep hours? Not really. Yeah. Not really. So there's some adaptation, like I said, if you don't sleep well one night, the next night your body will try to give you some deeper sleep to help you repair. But, you know, longer term not sleeping and then trying to sleep all weekend to make up for it um, doesn't really work so well. And one of the reasons for that is that it disrupts your circadian rhythm or your body clock. And so that what your body does during the sleep, there's some ad adaptation there. But the more erratic we are with our sleep schedules, the harder it is for the body to have its proper rhythms. Hmm. Interesting. And what we focused on there was not going to bed, but waking up. Oh, absolutely. So, what, so I, I know that this is like a really exciting thing for you to, to share with folks. Tell us about this whole concept of a morning routine versus a night routine. So that, that body clock, your circadian rhythm that I mentioned, there's a whole, we have a, there's a central regulation of it. We actually have little clocks in every cell of our body. And it's not just our sleep and wake, but our eating patterns and so many other things are part of those rhythms. But when we're talking about sleep, the two most important hormones are melatonin that you make at night that helps you sleep. And you actually use cortisol. That's what helps get you out of bed in the morning and get you in motion. Uh, we often talk about cortisol loss or with stress, but it actually is used to get you going in the morning. That's very, very important. So those hormones are opposite of each other. What, what's, that, what's that experience? I think this is really important, that, that experience of elevated cortisol first thing in the morning to get you up and get you out because that can often be misinterpreted as anxiety or, or, or stress. Right, exactly. Because if you are going through a lot of stress and anxiety, it's that same hormone cortisol that get that goes up and gives you that, that feeling because it's your body mobilizing you to run away from a lion or fight or whatever you're going to have to do. And so if we're going through a lot of stress and anxiety, that feeling of going into that fight or flight is something that we're going to associate with we're having an anxiety attack. And so then when you're getting that rise of cortisol in the morning to get you going, that can really feel like that stressed anxiety fight or flight state that you're not particularly happy with, but, but the reality is that stress response is a wonderful response that helps us, you know, mobilize our resources and write an exam and, you know, go running and do so many good things, including get up and get our day going. Absolutely. We're both, you, you could see Lee and I right now, you can see us both just shaking our heads. Frantically <laughs> going, absolutely. So again, it goes back to that, how we perceive the situation has everything to do with, with, not only how we continue to think about it, but what's going on inside of our bodies and then the behaviors that we take going into our day. That's awesome. So let's get, let's get more detail into this idea of a, of a morning routine that 
that, I mean, geez, tomorrow morning we can all start applying. Well, those hormone cycles I started to talk about set this beautiful, beautiful rhythm to our waking and our sleeping. And some researchers are looking at this, this rhythm and it gets disrupted is a big part of why people usually have insomnia. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that rhythm can be disrupted. And it can be from stress, it can be from erratic sleep patterns, it can be from a whole bunch of different things. And so you wanna be addressing those things as well. So if it's coming from massive amounts of stress and going at a fight or flight constantly, clearly looking at your root cause of what's going on with stress and something like stress mastery would be very, very important. Um, but as well, you're also then going to need to do something to reset those rhythms. And it looks like the best way to reset those rhythms is to actually look at your morning. Mm. And that may be even more important than your night routine. Wow. It's kind of wild when you think about, I'm struggling with sleep, so what am I doing to get ready for sleep? That to think about possibly the best thing you can be doing is looking at what you do in the morning, which is wow. kind of crazy, but it actually makes a lot of sense when you look at setting those rhythms. Tell us about it. Tell, give us the details, unpack that. <laughs> so one thing is to get up at the same time every morning because the rhythms you're talking about setting those. So a great example of this is something that is being called social jet lag now because so many people are getting up. Let's say you get up at seven o'clock in the morning every day to get ready for work during the week. And especially if you're not sleeping well, by the time the weekend rolls around, you're exhausted. And so people often on Friday night will go up with friends or do something and stay up later than usual. They're tired from their week and then they sleep in until 10, 11 o'clock the next morning to make up on that sleep, to bang some sleep, right? Or catch up some. And so now you've gone from where your body thinks your rhythm is to wake up at seven. You're getting up at 10, 11 in the morning. Well, this is like you flew across the country. It's like jet lag. If I got on a plane and I flew from Vancouver Whoa. to New York, I would think about the fact that I'm going to have jet lag. But if I sleep in on a Saturday morning, I think, woo, awesome, this is good. But my poor body and its hormone rhythms are going, what the heck? They're all out of sync. And it's just like jet lag, but it's called social jet lag because you're not getting on a plane and flying across the country, but you're basically doing the exact same thing. And what's the impact on the body, the body and the brain and the mind when we do that? Well, one, you get disconnect between your brain and knowing what time it is and your body and when it thinks it is. And so those clocks aren't aligned and they're very, very confused. So it gets hard, but your body doesn't know what time it wants to get sleepy at night. Your hormones are out of rhythm. And so your melatonin isn't going to have the nice rise when it should at night. And so that whole rhythm is just off. And so it's really hard then for you to fall asleep. And you probably stay out late again Saturday night and sleep in on Sunday again. And then Sunday night, you can't fall asleep. And then it is almost impossible to get up Monday morning and go to work. Because your rhythm is so out of whack. And thank goodness for the cortisol that says, nope, you, it's Monday morning. You've got to get up and go. Well, but when your body is at a rhythm like that and your hormones aren't cycling properly, you might not be getting that cortisol surge in the morning because you stayed up so late, your melatonin didn't kick in when it should, your melatonin might not have fallen very good by the morning, and especially in the winter when it's dark and you don't have any sun to tell your body it's day, 
now you're in this place where your melatonin isn't falling all the way. You're not necessarily getting as much cortisol as you should. You're not getting in the sunlight to tell your body it's day. And then it's really hard to drag your back butt out of bed. And your, your mindset and your thoughts about the whole thing are all jacked up too. Yeah, absolutely. And then that just becomes a perpetuating problem because now you didn't sleep well and you dragged through the day and, and, and so then maybe, you know, you do some things at night you shouldn't. And so then you're, and interestingly enough for if stress is part of that picture, for example, and you're getting cortisol surges through the day, that's adding to just disrupting that rhythm even more. And it becomes common for your cortisol cycles to even flip so that you get more high cortisol in the evening because of all your stressors during the day. And so now you're in that wired and tired place where it's the evening and you're all wired because of all this cortisol, but you're exhausted because you haven't been sleeping. And you desperately want to sleep, but you're way too wired. And in our society, you probably watch a bunch of TV or play on your computer and adds, the blue light really adds to the melatonin not climbing in the evening. Mm. So it's no wonder most of us are having a hard time sleeping. So if we, if we commit to getting up the same time every day, regardless of, of what time we go to bed, and if, for example, you've, you've got a, you have a really late one, so you get to bed at 2 a.m. and you get up at 7 a.m., that's better than sleeping in. But what would the impact of a nap at some point during the day have on you? Like, could you look forward to a nap? Would that be beneficial or, or will that throw off rhythms as well? So there's, there's a couple of different things. If you are, for the most part, sleeping fairly well most of the time and you're not suffering from bad insomnia, a nap can really help. So you're better off to get up at your consistent morning time. And it is thought that within an hour is, is okay. So if you usually get up at seven, if you want to sleep till eight, you're okay. So that, I like that on the weekend. <laughs> it seems a little more doable to get up at eight o'clock in the morning on the weekend rather than seven for me to give myself a little bit more, right? Because I don't need to be up at 7 a.m. on most Saturday. Uh, so there's a little bit of leeway there, but you are better to keep it within an hour and then have that nap. Don't have it too late in the day though, or it's going to make it that much harder to fall asleep at night. Um, it's best to keep it about 20 minutes long. Because then you don't get into too deep of a sleep cycle where it then that's when you wake up and you feel really groggy and awful because you had a nap for an hour and you woke up in the middle of that really deep sleep cycle where your body is just not ready to go. Got it. Okay. Um, so if, you know, if, if you're really like, you know, if you're sick or something and you need that extra sleep, that's one thing. Um, so that nap can be very helpful. If someone has really bad insomnia, it, seems crazy and tough, but you're actually better off not to nap at all because then you're way more likely to fall asleep at night. Because one of the big reasons for getting up in that consistent morning time is it sets your rhythms so your melatonin will come up at night properly and you will want to fall asleep at the time you should for your sleep cycles. So you have to be paying attention to your body then and your mess the messages it's sending at night about when you should be going to bed. So you're, you're wanting to fall asleep at night comes from two things though. It comes from that circadian rhythm, that body clock, that those rhythms that you have. It also comes from something called sleep drive. So there's some other chemicals that build during the day that then you will get a drive to fall asleep at night. And that's a lot stronger if you haven't slept well the night before. You'll have a higher sleep drive. But if you do a bunch of napping, particularly later in the day, it's kind of like you snacked a bunch and now you're not going to be hungry for dinner. 
you have this big nap and so you got rid of your sleep drive and it's going to be harder to fall asleep at night. Wow. So it's not just falling asleep. <laughs> there's, a, it's, it's, there's some thinking that goes in that can go into this. <laughs> awesome. So when, I, I love the idea of social jet lag. So think about those that do travel and do go to different time zones. Um, say you go west to east. How do you account for that then? What's, what's, the, what's the best strategy for accounting to that, for that change, the actual change in time zone? That's actually a big topic and probably a whole separate podcast, actually, because there's a whole bunch of techniques you can do around that. Um, but yeah, it's actually kind of a big topic about how to do that. And it's not easy. Okay. And how you adapt to that is going to depend on how functional you need to be the next morning there and how much time you have to adjust ahead and a bunch of stuff. So. Got it. Okay. You shared with us, our stress mastery group, you shared with us a really cool physiological trigger that you can do before you actually go to bed with the inversion and the, the, the reasoning behind the, the effectiveness of that inversion. And I love this one. And this has been one of my, my favorite little tips that I have adapted, particularly if I've had a stressful day and I'm feeling that. And that's a yoga pose called legs up the wall pose. And so basically you put your back on the floor and your legs up the wall. So you're kind of making an L and your, your legs are up in the air. Um, I like to do it right in bed, actually. And that cortisol, I mentioned that fight or flight response. It's a part of our nervous system that's called the sympathetic nervous system. And it operates in balance with the parasympathetic nervous system. So the higher your sympathetic response is, the lower the parasympathetic. And the parasympathetic is the rest and digest. So that's that much calmer, right? So you can kind of see the more you're, you know, in that fight or flight, the more things like digesting and going to sleep aren't an option. Not they that have important. The opposite in your body, right? Mm -hmm. So your body is like, I need to react to this. I'm going to shut down the stuff that doesn't matter. So your reproductive system slows down as well. It's that balance in your body. And the other stuff happens when you're calm and your body can catch up on that housekeeping stuff. And of course, rest and digest includes sleeping. So that's the mode you wanna be in for sleep. And if you think about it, sympathetic, fight or flight, you're gonna to wanna to run away from that lion or fight. That uses your, your limbs a lot, your extremities, your arms and your legs, you're running and fighting. Whereas rest and digest is much more your core, your organs doing their digestion and their work. And the idea is, is when you do that legs up the wall pose and your legs are up in the air, that the blood flow is more going to go to your core. And that it sends the signal to your body, this is what we need to work on right now. And it helps your body shift into that parasympathetic calm mode. Fascinating. Wow. So, you know, whether or not it's that or just that you're stopping and relaxing and consciously breathing and doing something and thinking about how this is helping prepare you for sleep or whether or not there's this big nervous system shift. It's kind of an interesting concept and I, I feel that it works for me. Any, any idea of the impact and or the relationship to the vagus nerve, how it, how it impacts the vagus nerve? Because that's what moves us from, from threat to thrive. I wonder if there's what the what the impact on the vagus nerve is when you go inverted like that and the blood flow goes to the really core. Very, that's really kind of the major a major part of your parasympathetic system. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it likes that. Yeah, absolutely. So if we were to name that pose, what, what did you call it? 
Legs up the wall pose. Legs up the wall. We could also call it like Vegas, baby. <laughs> Something like that too. That would be a little bit more there fun. That <laughs> would be kind of a little more fun. I don't know. <laughs> so Lee, if someone wanted to take one thing away from this and apply it to their life immediately, what would it be? What would you suggest? I think it's that consistent morning wake up time. I think there's a whole bunch of other things you can do to help with that morning routine as well, you know, to help you get out of bed in the morning and, and, and get that energetic start for your day. So it can be things like uh, B vitamins, a B complex can really help with energy in the morning. Looking at what you're eating for breakfast for getting you going, looking at things like healthy caffeine. Um, coffee can be a whole topic and people with really bad insomnia probably shouldn't be drinking coffee at all. That's probably contributing, but you can look at something like a green tea in that case or having that one coffee in the morning, but where are you sourcing it from and what kind of healthy things are you putting in it? So for example, um, most people with that coffee, you're, you're putting, I put homemade cashew milk in mine and I put instant NCT oil that gives some fat and help stop it from, I don't find I get jittery from one coffee in the morning, but it's just a much smoother energy. But um, green tea is nice because it has the caffeine, but it has something in it called L-theanine, which is very, very calming and found to help with anxiety. So you get the caffeine for the energy, but you also get that, that stress, anxiety, calming element from the L-theanine in the green tea. So that can be a, a healthier way. Doing something to help get the endorphins going is so laughing and listening to music and you know dancing around doing something um i really like um something called the breath of joy i find makes a huge difference in the morning to me and you can look that up there's all kinds of youtube videos on the breath of joy so it's another yoga breathing technique and so it involves moving your arms and, and the way you breathe and i certainly can't demonstrate it over a podcast so you'll have to look up the youtube video but it's really it's something that takes 20 30 seconds in the morning and i find wakes me up more than coffee wow can you describe it uh it's it's really hard to describe so like i said it's this arm movements that going along with this air intake breath and then the breathing out as you bend down really gets the blood flowing i find it just kind of gets your you know the breath going and getting your energy that way and there might even be something to do with that you know the breathing and the way how we know breathing and tone have a lot to do with what's going on in our nervous system as well right mm -hmm. and so can just make such a huge huge difference and i think if we're going to do that i i'm going to get up consistently in the morning but i think we need to look at how how do we get that morning going right what are the routines that make that consistent morning possible and what's our morning narrative in Sorry. our mind, what's our morning narrative? Like, what's, what, what are we telling ourselves about the previous night? And is it setting us up for a good day or a not so good day? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And how about, you know, whether or not you start your day with a gratitude practice or having that attitude of, if I get up at 7 a.m., then rather than sleeping, you know, hitting snooze a bunch of times, which really doesn't give us any extra sleep and is of no benefit, it just makes our mornings more stressed. But if you tell yourself, well, no, I really want to get up at seven because when I do that, I have time to actually play with my cat and I have time to make sure I take my lunch to work so I'm eating healthy. That's going to give me a better day. The more you have those reasons why this is a really good thing to be doing and I need to be getting out of bed, the better. Gosh, I think that's so, I think that's so important. It was actually a question that I had had for you and it, and it was like, 
the motivators to take action, to actually do these things and, and not to, not, not to do them from the place of, well, it's going to allow, it's going to, it's going to help me to not feel so groggy. It's going to help me to not feel so jittery, but doing these things helps you human better. Like it helps you be better at everything that you're doing when you get quality sleep and the story around your sleep is of quality and the behaviors you create and the patterns you create around sleep are quality. Absolutely. And, and I think it's one of the reasons why I like to concentrate on this idea of this morning routine, because mm -hmm. I, think that, I think mornings are tough for most of us. And that this time of year is dark and it's pouring rain and it's that much harder to get out of bed in the morning, but it's dark. And yeah, you can really drag around, but I find this mentality of this is actually going to help me sleep better. So I am less tired. It can be a, a big motivation. And I found adding in things like the breath of joy and the things that help give me some energy in the morning, remembering to put on some music to help give me that energy. We can start incorporating those little things. It can make morning a lot more fun and less of a dread. And what does it do for the rest of your day? Oh, it definitely, you know, sets you up for your day being a lot more positive. When we think of, uh, we talk a lot about capacity and the relationships of the demands that are on us daily in our capacity to endure. And much like exercise and, and nutrition and social connection, sleep is one of those core seven to eight things that it won't make the, it won't make the, the demand, the, 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 the trigger, the stressor go away, but it'll absolutely raise our capacity to endure it and to work with it versus being something else that we have to fight against. Oh, absolutely. And I think you know, sleep, getting good sleep can add to our capacity so much, but not getting very good sleep becomes a huge demand, right? And that's adding to all those other stressors in our life when we're not getting enough sleep. So it really is not just we want to build our capacity, but we don't want to add to those demands because we already have enough of them going on in our life, right? Absolutely. Wow. That is fantastic. I can't wait to go to sleep, but I can't wait to get up tomorrow. <laughs> so you, you work as a researcher. What, is, what have you found is one of the most exciting things that you've learned and how have you applied it to the, the work you're doing in the, in the supplement in the supplement world? Um, one of the things for us is looking at, you know, the, uh, the first sleep aid with herbs in it was here already before I came along um, and was, is one that's, that does well, that is, you know, there's a lot of people that get a lot of benefit from it. And to me, that taking some herbs to help you fall asleep can be very, very helpful. Um, I think they can have a lot less um, detrimental effects on our body than going and having to get uh, sleep medication for example. Um, and I also think that's not the end of the story. That I think as a company and, and me as a person, there's so much more we can do to look at the whole, you know, what are the root causes of the problem? What are the other things you need to be doing with that as well? And, and I find it fascinating that this is just, that's one of the reasons why I keep delving into sleep more and more and more, because I keep finding more and more. And sometimes this is little things like the legs up the wall pose, um, but really it comes back to I think two really core concepts for me are that, that rhythm. And it's interesting that, you know, training with, with Heidi Hanna and, and talking about rhythms, 
right? We talk about recharging and we have rhythms for the day. Our bodies are not stagnant things. We're supposed to have ups and downs. You know, when you look at your body clock, you're supposed to have a lull in the afternoon. Yeah, look at heart rate. Yeah. Right. Everything has got that rhythm to it. And I think that's really beautiful to think about that and to accept that, to think that we're going to have those rhythms in our day and our night in, in everything, in our sleep and our eating and our moods, all of those things. So that when our mood is a little lower, rather than panicking about thinking about what's going on, is that coming from trying to do too much and not building up the capacity? Do I need to recharge? Do I need to go eat? Because that's why my mood's probably affected right now. And, and so what that, what that really ties into is listening to our bodies. You, you use the word acceptance, and that's one of my favorite things to talk about. And it sets us free. Acceptance sets us free. It allows us to look at other possibilities. It allows us to do something different. And without that acceptance, we stay focused on that which we're trying to protect ourselves from. It just yeah. gives us a heck of a lot more options. With so many of these things that are happening, uh, part of that acceptance is just interest as well. Curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. Yeah. Cool. This is great. Lee, thank you so much for, for sharing your gifts and your insight and your, this cool wisdom <laughs> that, you, that you've given that you've given our listeners and I'm, I'm sure everybody's like super psyched to to get to sleep and and to get up so any <laughs> any any parting messages anything that you would like folks to know about you how they can how they can connect with you and maybe go a little bit deeper if they're interested in, in doing so um actually if you look at nested naturals uh, we have a website we're on instagram and facebook and if you post a message there it will get to me cool is and it, you're located up in vancouver is nested naturals a canadian company we are yes cool tell me tell us a little bit about it so, yes, we're based here in Vancouver, Canada. We are, there's 20 of us in the company now, and we primarily sell online through our website and Amazon. We do have some, uh, we're in a few stores, but other than that, we're primarily online. And our um, sort of tagline, if you want, might want to say that, our brand is Sleep, Wake, Thrive. Mm. So really tying into your sleep and how that ties together with our wake. So um, our other kind of, actually our, our most popular product uh, supplement is called Super Greens. And it's a blend of greens that you take in the morning to help add a whole bunch of fruits and vegetables to your day. And particularly with all the B vitamins in there, it's a really good way to get some energy in the morning. And so that really ties in that whole idea of wake and starting your day right. And a lot of the stuff under Thrive falls under that category of stress and things like magnesium, B vitamins that you end up deficient in when you're stressed. Gotcha. And so it helps move you back from sympathetic to parasympathetic, from threat to thrive, and put you in, a, put you in a, the best possible state to take on your day. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. It was fun to be here. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Human Better Podcast. I hope this sparked an awareness, created space for acceptance, and initiated an action for personal positive change. My purpose in producing this podcast is to create the space for emotional leadership so that we can all human better.